Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Kingdom greetings to each and every one of you. Welcome to Kingdom Empowerment with your host for tonight, Dehima McLean. It's truly a pleasure and an honor to be on here this evening with you all. Amen. I'm on here every first and third Mondays of every month at 7 p.m. through 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, My segment is Exposing and Eliminating Witchcraft Operations in the 21st Century Church. Amen. And tonight we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic that's relating to spiritual warfare. Uh, Spiritual warfare is a topic that's not very prevalent in today's modern church. And so today we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare, and our focus tonight is going to be on the story of Samson, the story of Samson. And God uh, would have me to bring this message again for those of you who did not hear this message, but I believe that this is going to be a tremendous blessing to each and every one of you. Uh, So just go ahead if you are on this line and if you're listening to this live broadcasting at this moment, go ahead and invite a friend. I guarantee you that they are going to be tremendously blessed by tonight's live broadcasting. Amen. All they have to do is dial in 646-668-2413. Again, that's 646-668-2413. And they can call in if you have any prayer requests. Uh, questions, statements, comments, anything that you want to share, or if you simply like to join in for tonight's teaching, you are more than welcome. I want to welcome everyone here on Kingdom Empowerment, those who are regular visitors, those who are family and friends that's on here with me this evening. God bless you. I greet you in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I also send very special greetings to Dr. Ganny and her husband. Amen the founders of Kingdom Empowerment. Uh, They both have been such a tremendous blessing and toiling uh, in the kingdom. Amen. And it's truly an honor uh, to be partners uh, with Dr. Ganny and her husband in this great kingdom exploit, and that is Kingdom Empowerment Radio Program. Listen, this program has been a blessing, not only here in the United States of America, but internationally. Uh, And so this uh, broadcasting has been traveling all throughout the world simply because of people like you, uh, supporters and partners of this particular ministry. And uh, we've has spread abroad to the United States, Australia, Africa, uh, and so many other regions. And that's how we know of a certainty that we are impacting the world for Jesus Christ. And so we are truly elated, and you have all made this possible. Amen. And so tonight, I just want you to join in on the line. Once again, this message is going to be a tremendous blessing. If you know someone that is in need of deliverance, someone uh, that needs teaching, someone that wants to accept Jesus Christ, maybe they're going through a particular uh, problem in their life, I want you to let them know to call in at 646-668-2413, and Jesus is the solution. Amen. We have the solution, and that is through prayer, amen, and that's through the ministry of deliverance and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, most importantly, amen, and so have them to dial in, uh, and don't, please, don't touch that dial, it's going to get very interesting on this evening, Uh, one of the things that we do, we open up the lines every 10 to 15 minutes for those 
who have any questions, statements, or comments, uh, we advocate and encourage you uh, to share your views, your uh, opinions, your feedback on the teaching, and if you just want to interact or uh, share what the Holy Spirit is revealing to you, you are more than welcome to do so. Amen. And so we just want to start this segment off by prayer, and then I will delve right into the topic for this evening. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we want to thank you tonight, God, for your grace, for your mercy, and for who you are. Holy Spirit, we place you first. We place you high above all else. Lord God, we glorify you and we thank you for who you are. Lord God, I pray, oh God, that the words that are coming out of my mouth will be a blessing to your people. I pray that God, it will most importantly be a blessing to you. Lord God, I pray that this message tonight will change someone's circumstances, that would change someone's life, that, God, that they would draw nearer to you because of this message that they have received. Lord, I thank you uh, for all that you have done. We pray tonight over the airways, amen, that any satanic activities that want to hinder the flow and the moving of the Holy Spirit of this message will be nullified even now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for all that you've done, for who you are. Lord God, we glorify you. We call you King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you yet again, hallelujah, for allowing us to be back on here. We thank you for the revelation. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you that you're constantly pouring out your blessings upon us. We thank you for the open heaven. We thank you for another chance, another day. Hallelujah. We just want to thank you, and, Father, to let you know that we are eternally grateful. God, I praise you tonight. I pray that everyone come in this line, that they will be edified, that the devil will be terrified, God, and then that, Father, Lord God, that we will see transformation in the lives of your people. We give God all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' name, amen and amen. For those of you who are just tuning in on the line tonight, this is your host, Dehima McLean, and tonight's topic will be on Samson, amen, but it's going to be taken from the perspective of spiritual warfare, and the Lord has uh, given me the unction to bring this message uh, uh, for those who did not hear it. And so I want to bring this message to bring an, an illumination to your mindset and how we can learn uh, these biblical stories and pr- apply it to our practical everyday life and everyday living. And so we're going to dissect this word and then and delve into it. So if you have any questions at any time, I'm going to open up the line every 10 to 15 minutes for any questions, statements, and comments. Amen. And so for many of you that may not know, there is a character in the Bible by the name of Samson. Uh, he uh, is a very profound character. Amen. And, and not to say it as though it's some sort of fictitious uh, 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 message, excuse me, uh, or this is some sort of fairy tale message, but these were actual people. 
This is not fictitious. It's it's a story of an actual person that has experienced all these things. And we know that the Bible is true. We understand that everything that has taken place in the Bible is not something that was drafted together by a mere man uh, that was not inspired divinely. But we know that the Bible is a divine inspired word of God. And those stories that's in the Bible did actually occur. Amen. And so Samson uh, is an actual person in the Bible. And the Bible says that Samson uh, was a very interesting uh, character. But before I go into that, I want to talk to you a little bit uh, prior to who is Samson. I want to give you just a brief breakdown um, as to why Samson's assignment in the earth was relevant. So before I let you know his, uh, who he was and uh, why his assignment was relevant, the reason why God had allowed Samson to come forth as one of the greatest heroes of faith uh, is simply because the children of Israel kept on repeating evil cycles in their life. Uh, the Bible says it like this, that the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord had delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. And so because of their disobedience and their habitual uh, disobedience, uh, uh, God saw the evil was uh, perpetuating itself, repeating itself, and they were going through cycles. So God and his infinite wisdom, decided to raise up a leader. And oftentimes when uh, mankind is living in a depraved state of being or living in a sinful state of being, he will oftentimes raise up a leader that would help to stand proxy uh, uh, in the midst of his people so that way he can divinely intervene on their behalf. And that's what he did with Samson. And so the children of Israel were repeated, uh, repeatedly falling into habitual uh, sin and practices. And as a result of that, they would experience oppression over and over again. And a lot of times, just like many of us today, we're experiencing oppression in our lives. And we believe that it's because of the enemy attacking us, as well it could be the enemy attacking us. But a lot of times the oppression, the depression, the things, the spiritual attacks that we experience in our life is a result of the things that we do. And oftentimes we don't take accountability for our own actions. We don't take accountability of our shortcomings and our mishaps and our mistakes and our sin and our disobedience. And so God wants us to take accountability. And that's why sometimes we go through these attacks that we're experiencing is because it's either out of ignorance or we're just blatantly dis, uh, uh, disobedient to the Lord. And God wants us to be able to live in the liberation and the freedom in which we, he has made us free. He does not want us to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And so one of the things that God will do is that anytime he wants to intervene, he will raise up a leader. I'm going to repeat that again. Anytime God wants to intervene in earthly affairs, he will raise up a leader that, will, that is in the earth, but that will petition heaven. And so 
uh, he would have to raise up a leader, and that's what he did with Samson. For so, for some of you who don't know who Samson is, I'm going to introduce you to this story of this particular character in the Bible. And for those of you who are already privy to who he is, this is going to be a message of illumination for you. Uh, so Samson. Uh, the Bible speaks of a biblical account that Samson was a Nazarite. Not only was he a Nazarite, but he also was a judge. And he was given by God an immense strength uh, to aid him into against his enemies and allow him to perform uh, a superhuman ability, superhuman ability. So in the biblical days, he will be considered to be uh, a superhero, just like how we have these fictitious characters today. We have Superman, Spider-Man, the Black Panther, and, you know, you see that with the Marvel characters. Uh, but we had an actual superhero that really did exist, and his name was Samson, and he had superhuman ability. Uh, he was able to slay lions with his bare hand. And I'm certain that if we saw a lion, uh, we would never attempt or even dare uh, to even approach a lion, much more to try to slay a lion uh, with your bare hand. Uh, he was known for massacring an entire army of the Philistines using only uh, a jawbone of an ass. And I know that seems uh, far-fetched. Uh, it seems illogical to the natural mind, to the human mind. But when God puts his supernatural on your natural, there is nothing impossible. Uh, you're giving capability that you are never able to do within your own strength. Uh, whenever God gives you supernatural ability, he enables you to do a great work. And that's the same thing with Samson. That's the same thing with Samson. And so, now mind you, it's not like he was uh, combating against an army of 50 or 100 people. He was combating against thousands of men by himself only with the jawbone of an ass. And I know that seems so far-fetched, but this is what happens when God intervenes. When God intervenes and we have the ability, when God puts his supernatural ability on us, there is nothing that will be too impossible. We will be able to take down armies when God is in it. And so Samson, as I said in retrospect, was also a Nazarite. And one of the significant things about a Nazarite is that Nazarite were never to cut their hair. And so Samson had very long hair because he was never to cut it. His hair was very long, which was one of his most distinctive features, apart from him being the most strongest man to have ever existed. But his long hair was one of his uh, distinctive features. And uh, the reason why they were not to cut their hair uh, was because that was considered as a Nazarite vow. Uh, and if they did cut their hair, it would, that vow will be violated. And as a result of that, he would lose his supernatural strength that God has given him. He was also known to be um, a hero of faith. 
and he has gone down in history to be one of the greatest heroes to have ever existed. And so just like Samson today, God has also engineered us to be the same way, uh, and that includes having spiritual strength. We also have the ability to possess great authority, just as Samson did. Uh, and that's one of the interesting things of this story. Now, to get even more interesting, <coughs> to teach you more interesting facts about Samson, is that if Samson were to put a razor on his head, as I said to you before, he would lose his strength. And so, metaphorically speaking, if Samson here was cut, what would happen is that there would be a breach of covenant. So it wasn't particularly about his hair, uh, though that was a distinctive feature of his, but it wasn't so much about the hair as, as much it was about the covenant, right? And so when a covenant is broken, you sever that perpetual allegiance that you have with that person and the benefit that comes with it. And when the covenant is broken, you forfeit the promises, the protection, the anointing that is bestowed upon you. And thereafter, there will only be infiltration and satanic ambush because that covenant canopy. So I'm going to say that again. Covenant is a canopy for you. Just like Samson, he was a Nazarite. Likewise, we are spiritual Nazarites today, and we have a covenant with God. We have a vow with God. And if that covenant is breached or broken, we lose that canopy, meaning we are susceptible of losing that covering. And we can forfeit the promises that God initially had for us because of disobedience and breaking that covenant. And as I said to you before, it wasn't about his hair, but it was about covenant. And so one of the things that the enemy does is that the enemy would want to strategically get you into a position where he wants to remove the hedge of protection against your life. And I'm going to say this. When the hedge is removed, it becomes Satan's door. Please take note of that. When the hedge of protection of God is removed, it becomes Satan's door, which means that it gives him legal grounds and access to infiltrate your life, to destroy you. You are basically giving him an invitation to come and reestablish or recalibrate everything that God has established in your life. And he's not going to recalibrate it to restore you or to build you up. It's to destroy you. You are literally giving him a pen with ink in it so that he can write you off. That's what happens. With the head of protection or that canopy is removed, it becomes Satan's door. And although God has legislated and sanctioned angels to keep guard over our life, right? Because the scripture says the, that God does keep guard of our life. So, yes, the canopy of protection is on our life. And he gives angels 
charge over our lives by legislating and sanctioning them, according to Psalms 37 verses uh, 34. Verse 7, let me just read that real quickly. It says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and deliver them. Uh, Psalms 91, verses 11 to 12, it says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee in their hands. Here's a key word now, or a key phrase rather. Lest thou bash thy foot against a stone. So if you bash your foot against a stone, Everything that we've mentioned prior would not be applicable to you because now we have given him access into our life. So once the covenant is broken and sin is active, the angels that was now assigned uh, to your life to war against these satanic contentions or disputing will refrain from intersecting uh, in your life and then it would give the enemy uh, uh, the ability to officially, efficiently superimpose spiritual Philistines to come invade your life. That's what would happen. The spiritual Philistines would be able to come into your life and invade it and superimpose their plans for you. They would intercept and bring satanic contentions and disputing in your life simply because that hedge has been removed. So, excuse me, the whole objective is to, of the enemy, when he causes you to breach that covenant, is to put you under siege and to take you out prematurely. And that's what he did with Samson. We're going to learn that further as we go. Uh, Therefore, we must be careful to obey the Lord. And there is a divine protocol and mandate on your life. The strength and the anointing that God has given you, just as he did with Samson, is not to be unguarded, is not to be neglected, is not to be taken lightly, is not to be uh, uh, abused, right? Simply because we know we have strength or we have the anointing. No, you have to guard it with your whole life, with your whole heart. You have something to protect. You have something to protect. And so God has given you strength in the anointing just as he did with Samson. And so what happened is that when our love and our ambition, just as it did with Samson, gets the mastery of ourselves, that's when we become an easy prey for Satan. So Samson began to show his ambition and love for other things. And it gained the mastery over over his person, which is why he lost that particular anointing. So this is simply showing us and displaying or exhibiting to us that you have to completely, completely yield yourself to God and not allow the enemy to have any access or legal grounds into your life whatsoever. Because if your ambitions come become more uh, or become more than your love for the things of God or doing his will, then the enemy will be able to take you under siege. And that's one of the things that we don't want. We don't want for God to anoint us. We don't want for God to 
pour out his spirit upon us. We don't want for God to give us strength and give us a mandate to be able to do great kingdom exploits. But because of our negligence, because our, we want to do our own thing and, 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 and go through with our own will and our disobedience cause us to reach that covenant whereby we lose our anointing, we lose our strength, and the enemy can come into your life and destroy you legally because of that. Um, I believe I said a mouthful there, uh, and I'm going to go a little bit deeper into this teaching, but I want to open up the line for any person that has any questions, statements, or comments based on what I shared thus far. Uh, We've been talking about Samson, who he is, what his assignment was, uh, and the importance of not breaking that covenant and what would happen if we do break that covenant. So, caller, you are live. God bless you. Good evening, woman of God. Good evening, men of God. Thank you for joining us tonight on Kingdom Empowerment. Oh, it's always a pleasure. And, you know, as you as you were talking, I was just going through how you were talking about Manoah's wife, and as you were talking, I was just going through the miracles of God with regards to either the Lord bringing a word uh, to his uh, man or woman servant. Uh, Manoah's wife is one example. I was just going through the barren women of the Bible, and uh, we spoke about Manoah's wife, uh, Zachariah's wife, Elizabeth, Abraham's wife, Sarah. Elkanah's wife, uh, Hannah, and, you know, it's amazing how, and, wow, it's even difficult to articulate, it's amazing how God can stir up something, how he can turn a dry place into a place that is now flowing, a place that is now vibrant, a place that is now uh, thriving and flourishing, and how he can make those crooked places straight again. And you mentioned earlier, the reason he does these things, the reason our, our, our Lord does these things is for his glory. And as you had alluded to earlier, uh, he, he does it for the purpose uh, of his people. And as uh, the scripture says in uh, the book of Judges, chapter 13, verse 1, I'll read it. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. Verse 3, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now, it's a, and, and uh, when I look at Hannah, uh, her situation is quite similar uh-huh. in the sense where uh, her womb was shut. Now, Elkanah, he had other, in fact, I'll, I'll go to the scripture since I, uh, since I brought it up. I want to read it just for those who who want to know more about it. Uh, it says in uh, you can you can find this scripture in first in uh in first Samuel. And uh there was a certain man by the name of Elkanah 
And this man, uh, he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the mm-hmm. name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli and Hophni and Phinehas and the priest of the Lord were there. I want to go ahead and say, I love this particular passage here where Elkanah had a special place, excuse me, Hannah had a special place in the heart of Elkanah. And it says that Elkanah had given Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters Mm -hmm. a portion. But in verse 5 it says, But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but, but the Lord had shut up her womb. There's something unique about these people. It is not because the Lord is being malicious. He says, I'm going to shut up your womb. These are special women. I'm not saying that Penina is not special. I'm not saying that, that, that uh, the Lord's creation does not have a purpose. But what I'm saying is that God is about to do something, and he's using these particular women to do it. And like you said earlier, woman of God, he, God has a plan. The children of Israel were in sin. They sinned against the Lord. But you know what? And the Lord dealt with them. He punished them. But you know, he always seems to make a way of escape. And Samson okay. is another example of that. And he says, okay, I'm going to send you help. Hallelujah. And, in this, and he says, I'm going to send you help, Elkanah, because I've heard you when you have offered incense Good, uh, worthy praise, worthy sacrifice and offering unto me, because I've heard your cry, and I've also heard the cry of your wife, Anna, and God answers. When we offer up ourselves as a sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, so it's more than just going to the altar and burning incense and crying. When we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, what does the scripture tell us? The Bible tell us, tells us that if we humble ourselves and if we pray and if we seek his face and we turn from our wicked ways, the scripture says that he will hear from heaven and he will forgive our sin and heal our land. This is what scripture tells us. And when I think of these particular women who were used by God, were not to use these women, uh, these barren women who God has used as, as a tool of idolatry, but these are mere vessels that God has used to establish deliverance. These are tools of God to establish, dare I say, yes, a form of salvation to reveal to his creation that he is God, that he can turn a dry place into a place that is thriving, into something that he has now brought alive. It was dead. Hallelujah. I hope we see Christ in this message. Once, yeah. What was once dead? is now alive. Hallelujah. And we even take this message to Mary. When we think, now Mary was not barren. Mary, Mary was a virgin. Mary did not know a man. And we see the uniqueness in God's message and in God's plan of deliverance in the form of what he did in, in the womb of Mary, where the Holy Spirit came upon her. And from that encounter, we have our Savior. So, 
mm, hallelujah, I am just, when it comes to things like this, when we say, Lord, how in the world could you open a woman's womb, a barren woman's womb? How in the world can a woman who did not know, who was betrothed, who did not have intercourse with with her husband. How are these things possible? We can't fathom the mind of God. What we're talking about here is supernatural. What we're talking about here is the hand of God, the providence of God, the move of God. And this is where, again, a lot of us, we struggle in our understanding of these things because we can't fathom such a thing in our mind. We're saying, how is this possible? But with all things, when it comes to when it comes to man, what seems true to be a man to be impossible is not impossible with our God. And this is just further examples of his hand, of his power, of his will. And when he wants to deliver his people, he will he will use ordinary people. He will use people who we never even thought possible. Mary, hallelujah, was used. Hannah, okay, rejected. Remember, her womb was closed. It, that was such a dishonor. It oh. is a dishonor for, for, for a Hebrew woman, for a woman who was a Jew, for her womb to be closed. That is not, that is not something to glory in. It is a, it is a, it, it, it's shameful to not be able to bear children. And Hannah knew this, and that's why she prayed, and she 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 tarried, hallelujah, and she and she said, Lord, hallelujah, your your handmaid. So she knew, she knew who she was. She knew who oh. she was. Well, Lord, I I I I'm praying this prayer, your handmaiden. And this is the sign. This is the same posture that we need to take today. We say, Lord. I've been serving you faithfully. I have been praying. I have been fasting. I have been, I haven't been obedient. Uh, 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 excuse me. I haven't been disobedient to you, Lord. I have followed your commands. I have followed your statutes, Lord. Lord, I, I, and I worship you, Lord, in spirit and truth. I worship you and you alone. And Lord, you're going to allow the enemy to triumph over me. You're going to allow those mockers, those scoffers to laugh at me, Lord, and my barrenness. Lord, if you are God and I know that you are, you're going to allow this. And I can almost hear Hannah crying out saying, Lord, you're going to allow these people to make fun of me, you're going to allow yeah. these people to, to laugh at me, hallelujah, hallelujah, forgive, forgive me here, but this is something that's really touching my heart, and I'm going to share yeah. this with you, woman of God, and I'm going to share this with the listeners, you know, I recently lost a, a family member, and I cried out, and before my family member had passed away. I'll just call it her. She, she was my aunt. And I remember one night, I cried out to God. Why? Because I felt a groaning in my heart for my family. I felt a groaning in my heart for my family members who do not know Jesus Christ. It hurts my heart that if they were to die, and they were to die not knowing Christ, it hurts my heart to think of where they would be. And I got on my knees, and I covered myself. And I said, God, 
Lord, if you are real, if you are true, Lord, all these years I have given myself to you in faithfulness. You're going to allow my family to perish? And I said, no, 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 this is not going to happen. I said, God of Abraham, the God that answers by fire. I said, you, you have to protect my family. That's all I ask. Cover my mother. Cover my grandmother, my aunts and uncles. Cover them. My brothers and sisters, and I'm going to say this in closing. If there is any area in your life where you are struggling, if there are people, friends, family, coworkers, anybody, it is not so much that we pray for ourselves, and that's part of what we do, but much of what we do is intercession. Much of what we do is intercession for others. There are people out there that are laughing at us and they think we're a joke, but you know what? We have to pray for them. Yes, there are people who think that what we're doing and what we stand for is, is, is folklore. As a woman of God said, oh, it's not true. These are just made-up stories created by man. Well, I challenge you tonight to get on your face before God and say, Lord, are these stories true? Or is this nothing more than fables, stories made up by man? So, woman of God, I just want to thank you. I'm going to continue to listen. I'm sorry to to to, to, to get all... Uh, 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 bushy and emotional here. It's not about emotions. It's just that I don't want to see anyone perish in hellfire, whether it's my family or it's a neighbor or it's anyone. I just want people to know Christ and not just know Christ, but to know Christ for themselves. I want them to have that touch that I felt. I want them to know and feel the joy. I want those who are hurting, I want those who have been just worn down by religion to know Christ, to know him, to know him for themselves. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'll continue to listen, and God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Uh, God bless you, men of God, and thank you so much for uh, that very heartfelt message. <clears throat> On behalf of myself and Kingdom Empowerment Radio Program, we offer you our sincere condolences to you and your family. Uh, we are praying your strength uh, in this time of grieving, uh, man of God. And we just want you to know that we're praying your strength, that uh, we're here to support you and uplift you in prayer. But most importantly, God is your comfort as well as he is for your family. He's a very present help in time of trouble, and he is a strength in the time of weaknesses. And so <clears throat> his grace is sufficient for you, and, and we're praying, men of God. We do want you to know that God is able to uplift you and uplift uh, your spirit as well. And I do want to thank you for sharing that message uh, <clears throat> to our listeners. and. Although, you know, it, this message uh, was necessary, it's necessary, and it, it changed the, the climate of the teaching tonight, but that's one of the things the Holy Spirit would do. He would know the need of his people. And um, for those who may be listening that do not know Christ, it is imperative uh, that we seek him while he may be found. 
And so what the men of God is trying to convey to those listeners as well as to myself and all of us individually is that we never know the minute or the hour. And uh, we had to not just get ready but be ready. Uh, so when our name is called and our number is called, uh, we will be in that number. Amen. We will be ready for Christ and we will be at position uh, to be received by Jesus Christ himself and we won't perish. And one of the things that I thought that was very significant that the man of God shared, he spoke about all these different individuals in the Bible that had experienced uh, barrenness. I just kind of want to make a parallel here that there are many people that are in that state. There's maybe not be physically barren, but they're experiencing spiritual barrenness. Uh, and whatever is causing their spiritual barrenness, they can't seem to break free. They can't seem to get a breakthrough. It's like their life is just trapped in a place of carnality. They are not able to see Christ the way that they should see him. They're spiritually barren. There is no fruitfulness spiritual fruitfulness in their life. They're not bearing spiritual fruit. Maybe that you don't know Jesus Christ. And so um, I want to take the time out before I get back into the topic for those of you who do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Uh, according to Romans chapter 10, verses 9, it says, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, and if you give him your heart, you shall be saved. It is by faith you are saved. It's a gift of God. God. Salvation is a gift of God. It's not by works that any man should boast. And so we may acquire all these things in life. We may possess uh, all these materialistic things in life, but none of those things can save us. No other religion can save us. Uh, a religion can save us. Even Christianity, professing yourself to be a Christian, can't save us. We have to have a true relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's what's most important. And so in keeping with this message uh, tonight about Samson is that you don't want to be at that place of spiritual barrenness. You see, Samson knew God. Samson knew God. But he made some mistakes. He made mishaps. And although some of them were knowingly, others may have been unknowingly, uh, Samson at one point did, didn't necessarily follow the, the precepts of God. But before I get to the ending of that message, God still showed his mercy. And I'm just going to fast forward a bit that even though he messed up, just like many of us who may not know Jesus Christ, as a man of God should, uh, uh, that he's been praying for his family and they may not know Christ, God is a God of uh, uh, second chances. Uh, he never judges a person. He never does it, does anything uh, without giving people chances or introduce, uh, introducing himself to them because he would be an unjust God uh, if he did not let them know who he is. And so just like uh, in the scripture, Samson knew God. The Philistines knew the God of Samson. But there are going to be some people that's going to remain in an unrepented state. Pray for them. While whereas there's going to be some people who we minister to, and they are going to open up their hearts where the Holy Spirit can come in and that the Lord Jesus Christ can perform a miracle on their life. And so ultimately, this is why we uh, are teaching tonight. We're teaching you 
uh, to let you know that the enemy is out there to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Not only that, but we have such a great cloud of witnesses. Samson's story is one of them, so that we don't repeat the same mistakes that they have made. And not only just the mistakes, but we want to highlight the good things that they did. Uh, Samson was victorious and, uh, and successful in his spiritual journey. And even when he had fallen, the grace of God still picked him up. And though the outcome was very saddened, but he was able to go down in history as one of the greatest heroes. And that's one of the things I want to share with you tonight. What sort of a story will people be able to say about you? Will your story be that of Samson, that you were anointed, that you're, you're strengthened in the things of God, and you're able to defeat uh, a spiritual Philistines that are trying to invade your life? See, that's the strength that God wants to give uh, to you and I. He wants to give us that same experience that Samson had as a spiritual Nazarite. He wants to form a covenant with you. He wants you to form that covenant as a spiritual Nazarite so that you won't breach that covenant, so that you can uh, be anointed, that you can be strengthened, that you're able to take down uh, armies of men, of, 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 of spiritual uh, forces that are trying to defeat your life. He wants to empower you. And so he wants us to learn these teachings. And a lot of times we read the scripture and we take it very lightly because we say to ourselves, oh, I've heard that story before. But we're to make this thing applicable to our everyday practical living. And we can learn from these Bible characters uh, uh, even in our own individual lives. And to delve even deeper, when you're reading the scriptures, don't just take it at face value. There's so much more to it. And just like the man of God said, he mentions uh, barrenness. There are people that are spiritually barren. That though you say, oh, yeah, I know who Jesus Christ is, and yet I'm saved. Listen. You have to go even deeper. See, being saved is not good enough. Uh, just just uh, being uh, spiritual Nazareth is not good enough. There's so much more depth to God that we're yet to achieve and attain. And so I just wanted to speak to you a little bit deeper about uh, Samson. And the men of God kind of got a head start at it, um, but I'm going to give it a little bit of a different spin. In chapter 13 in Judges, it talks about Manoah's wife. For those of you who do not know Manoah, Manoah was the father of Samson. And the Bible did not give Samson's mother's name. It just says Manoah's wife. And so Judges 13 tells us of the story. And she was barren. Um, but one of the things that I love is that one day an angel of God appeared to Manoah's wife, uh, promising that she would bear a son. Um, but this particular uh, conception that the angel of the Lord was speaking of, it came with a warning. The warning was that she was not to contaminate her body with any strong drink because her child was a Nazarite. That was another qualification or a requirement, rather, I want to say requirement, is that not only was he not to cut his hair or for a razor to be put on his head, but they were not to drink any strong drink because that child uh, who was a spiritual Nazarite, which is Samson, was dedicated, dedicated to God from birth. 
And so she also learns that her son will save um, the Israelites from the Philistines. Now, one of the things that I like about this story, that even though uh, she was spiritually barren, an angel of the Lord appeared to her. And I just kind of want to tie this into what the man of God was saying, that he's been praying for his family. Uh, one of the things that I want to highlight is that God does nothing without revealing himself to you. So when people perish uh, without, knowing, uh, without knowing Christ, I'm going to elaborate on that. It's not that God did not appear to them. It's not that God did not speak to them. Because God does not take anyone away from the earth unless they have heard the gospel. So that way there is no excuse. But one of the things he would do is come with either angelic visitation or God would speak to you himself. And that's what happened uh, with Manoah's wife. So whether you're spiritually barren or physically barren or just for some sort of barrenness in your life. There will always be an angelic visitation. God will visit you. He will speak to you. He will give you a message. He will give you the instructions. He will give you the requirement. Now it is up to you to obey or not. But one of the things that we can't do is accuse God that he never came to us because God will always intervene in our state of barrenness. Uh, and so... Here, uh, I'm going to go into a little bit deeper. Now, uh, we saw that the angels came to Manoah's wife, which was Samson's mother. And I like this because the reason why the angelic visitation came to Manoah's wife was simply because Samson had a call. So even before Samson came, the call of his life alone provoked angelic visitation. And that's one of the things we have to understand, that the call of God on your life will provoke angelic visitations, not only for yourself but also for other people. And that's why the call in your life is so important because we live this life for ourselves, but we're not realizing that our calling on our life is the answer for somebody else's breakthrough. And if it wasn't for Samson's call, maybe Manoah's wife would not have had that angelic visitation. So you are the answer to someone else's breakthrough. So the angel of the Lord will visit your family and your nation simply because of the mandate that has been given to you. So as a man of God even said that he was praying for his family. Listen, because you have a call on your life, God will visit your family, just as he did with Manoah's wife. Uh, because of Samson, Manoah's wife was able to get an angelic visitation simply because of who Samson was. And so the angel of the Lord preceded Samson before his conception. So even before Samson came to the earth, the angel of the Lord came before him, which suggests that Samson, who was in the realm of the spirit, because remember, he wasn't born yet. Samson, who was in the realm of the spirit, and though he was not physically born yet, deliverance came to his mother and his father because of him. So watch this. Though he was not born he was already a deliverer. I need you to catch it again. Though Samson was not yet born, he was already a deliverer. 
not only was he a deliverer to the uh, to the uh, children of Israel, but he was also a deliverer to his family simply because of his calling. I hope you all are following along. Now, secondly, the scripture said uh, she was barren. She was barren. And so your purpose will open up someone else's womb. Because if Samson did not come through that broken canal, probably Manoah's womb, wife's womb, would have still been closed. So your purpose opens up somebody else's room. And as I said, you are the answer to someone else's breakthrough. And that's why as a spiritual Nazarite, we're to be separated from worldly pleasures and affairs because your calling is to bring deliverance to spiritual wounds that have been dealing with barrenness and stagnation. General, uh, generational curses will be broken because of you. Uh, issues that you have in your family or if your family doesn't know Christ, it's going to be broken because of you. And it just happens by faith, right? The spiritual oppression that God's people is going through and they're contending against uh, will be broken because of you, simply because you have a call on your life. And so we have to realize that the calling on our life is not to be taken lightly because there are some Philistines in our lives that we have to take down. There are some wounds, spiritual senses, that you're going to open up. If, it's not, if you do not act in your purpose, whoever womb is closed will not be open. Whoever is dealing with spiritual oppression by the Philistines, whether it be a nation or a people or a church, cannot get deliverance unless you come forth. Are you hearing this message tonight? Unless you come forth, there won't be any angelic visitation because you are that interception for someone else's release. Your calling is not to be taken lightly. Is not to, just to say, I have a call of God in my life. No, there is a demand on your call. There's a demand on your life because other people are waiting on you for their deliverance. It is important that you come forth. And so that's why it is such a, a, it's so critical that we are evangelizing to people. Because when you evangelize to someone else, they set someone else free. And that, that person who sets free sets someone else free. It's like a chain reaction. So the more people that we preach Christ to uh, and, and preach liberation to, is the more people will come out of that spiritual bondage. So when one person says no, you're saying no to a nation. Please hear this word of the Lord tonight. When you say no to your calling, you're saying no to a nation. Do you know how many people that you are accountable for because you said no? Do you know how many spiritual wounds that still close because of our disobedience? My God. Do you know how many people have not yet received their end of the visitation from God because we're dragging our feet or procrastinating to come forth? Uh Uh-oh. Please. Hear this, and that's why I said when we're bringing this message and you're reading the scripture, please read it with understanding. Don't just read it and say, Oh, I read Samson and Noah's wife was barren, and then he set the army free. No, it's more deeper than that. Wow, 
You've got to put yourself in that scripture and say, how does this apply to my life? Because we're so quick to criticize those in the Bible. Oh, Samson should have knew better. Oh, he should have knew better than Delilah. He should have knew better. But guess what? We do the same thing today. Wow. Thank you, Lord. People are depending on you. A nation is depending on you. Yes, yes. So watch this. Watch this. Uh, and, and I was saying that uh, Samson was to take down the, the Philistines, and that was his mandate. So you have been assigned to assassinate spiritual strongmen, whether it be spiritual strongmen over your region, over territory, in government, in the school system, in governmental systems, uh, in your home. You have been assigned to assassinate spiritual strongmen. And so in order for you to take down strongmen, you yourself have to be strong. That's why God made Samson strong, because he understood that these Philistines are real, still strong men. That's a strong man. And so God had to put Samson in a place where he gave him supernatural strength. But a lot of us, we forsake that spiritual strength that he wants to give us to take down strongholds and strong men in nations and regions because we couldn't follow the simple instructions. Now, this is not to beat anyone up, but when God says, you are a spiritual Nazarite, don't mingle with worldly affairs. You are a spiritual Nazarite. Don't go uncovered. You are a spiritual Nazarite. Don't take your calling lightly. You are a spiritual Nazarite. You're not to intertwine with the worldly people. Don't take it Listen, And when we do that, guess what? We can't take down strong men because you lose your strength. Amen. This is why in churches today we see people want to do deliverance and we want we see people uh, 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 want to do it, but they don't have the spiritual strength. Mm. The spiritual strength and the spiritual stamina is not there because we are not following the instructions to maintain our spiritual purity, to maintain our uh, our covenant that he has given us in order to take down these strong men. That's why a lot of ministries today are bypassing deliverance ministry. They're bypassing, uh, uh, casting out demons and devils and strong men because you know why? The lack of strength. The lack wow. of strength is what causes us not to take down strong men. So we oftentimes will cover it up with fancy preaching or, or charisma, or we would do it with conferences and different things to make it appear that we're strong, but really we're spiritually weak. Mm. And don't you think the spiritual Philistines in your life know this? They know when you're a real Samson. They know when you're a true spiritual Nazarite because they will respond to you. If you're not a real spiritual Nazarite and you're not where you should be, they won't respond to you. This is the God's honest truth. Wow. And I, I know when you speak truth, it creates enemies. Sure, uh, I'm, I'm aware of that. I'm sure when you speak truth that it, it doesn't rub people the right way, but guess what's going to help you to get free? So what am I saying to you? Even... In your own life, there are strong men assigned to you. Wow. Are you strong enough? 
as God will give Samson the strength to take down your own strong men. I'm going to ask that question again. Do you have enough strength by the supernatural ability of God and the spirit of God to take down their own, your own individual strong men, the spiritual Philistines that's trying to plague your life, your finances, your home, your, your success, your destiny? Do you have the wherewithal and the strength to take down your own strong men? It's easier to t- see. Watch it. I'm going to go somewhere with this because you see, Samson, Samson took down Israel's strong men, but he couldn't take down his own. I'm going to say that again because I think somebody missed it. He took down Israel's strong men, which was the Philistines, but he couldn't take down his own strong men. Wow. And that was wow. his own weakness. My God. So oftentimes, we, we like to appear to be such a strong deliverer, and I'm going to deliver you, and I'm going to deliver you, and I'm a strong deliverer, but can you take down your own strong man? Listen, deliverance, you should do your own deliverance before you go out and deliver anybody else. My God. Thank you, Lord. Hello, somebody. Are you receiving this word? Deliver yourself yes, yes. first mm. by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Before you go out there and challenge some other spiritual Philistines, it is easier to point fingers and say, oh, the Philistines are plaguing you, the Philistines are oppressing you, and it's easy to pump your muscles and show your strength and take the jawbone of an ass and pull down the strongholds in somebody else's life. It's easy uh, to, 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 uh, to break the neck of a lion um, in somebody else's life, but what about your own life? Wow. I'm going to move on. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know what? Let me, let me open up the lines. If anyone has any questions, statements, or comments before I actually move on, I'm going to open up the lines uh, at this moment. So calling you alive. God bless you. Wow. God bless you, woman of God. Thank you so God much. Bless again. You. Wow. Wow. You, you know, as, as you said that, as you said that, I want to go back to the words of Hannah. And in her prayer, she made a vow. And she Mm -hmm. vowed a vow, the scripture says. And it says, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, I'm going somewhere, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. I'm going somewhere. I want to talk to the individual, that woman who has prayed for a child, who has gotten on her face for years, and the doctor Mm -hmm. says it can't be done. And the Spirit of the Lord said to her and brought her a message of, yes, the Lord has heard your cry. And in time, over a period of years, that woman finally delivers a child. After years of barrenness, after years of doctors saying, no, it can't be done, it's impossible. You finally bear a child. And you call that child by a different name other than what God has given you. What Uh am I saying? 
What am I saying here? You, in essence, have committed an abortion but had a child. Let me explain that. In essence, you made a vow to God. You said, Lord, I will continue. I will worship you. And now that you have that child, you forget him. That means because he has delivered for you. He has given you a child. And now all of a sudden you find that you don't pray as much as you used to. You don't you 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 don't seek the face of God like you used to because your prayer has been answered. If there's anyone on the line who has experienced this or know of someone who has experienced this, we have we have to stop turning God into a genie. Right. Because you don't want a God. You want you want a genie. You want a rubber lamp. You want uh, you rub the lamp and you want this 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 this, this, this spirit to come out, and, and and then so who you can now give instructions to, and, mm-hmm. and you want that spirit to say, oh master, you have now become the master. So now in essence, you said that spirit will say, master, what can I do for you? You have three wishes. And we have to be very very careful when we make vows to God. Mm-hmm. We have to be very, very careful when we ask, when we go before God in prayer. We ask things, and we say, "Lord, if you could do this thing for me." Hannah did not forget. When you make a vow to God, that is a very dangerous thing. You cannot go back on your vow. He's holding you to your word. Yes, he is. And if you're not careful, you will slowly be committing an abortion. And when I say an abortion, I'm referring to your your relationship with the Lord. You are disconnected from him. Mm. You are aborting your relationship. You have what you desired, but it came at a price. And if we're not careful, he says, Lord, I don't want to ever forget you. That's why I love when, when she says, she says, right here, she says, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me, Remember me. Remember her for what? Remember her for her faithfulness, for her service. Remember my prayers. Remember my interceding, Lord. Remember those times when I came before you in praise and worship and reflection. And not forget thy hand. See, the problem is the Lord doesn't forget about us. We forget about him. Mm -hmm. That's the issue here. And the Lord delivers and we just, all of a sudden, we get amnesia. We forget. And we're like, oh, God, I have this thing that I've always wanted. I have this baby. I have this possession. Uh, and then all of a sudden, worship goes right out the window. We stop We stop wanting to get on our face before God and being in his presence. Being in his presence has no meaning anymore because you have what you ask for. Now, I also want to mention something as well, woman of God, you, you had alluded to, and, and it, it's so very, very true, because when I look at Zacharias the priest, and when I look at, Scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord had appeared to him, and it frightened him so, and, and the Spirit of the Lord uh, says, Zacharias, fear not, hallelujah, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, bear thee a, bear thee a son, excuse me, and thou shalt call his name John. So, in essence, Zacharias the priest, no doubt, yes, it is a dishonor for a Hebrew woman to be barren. And Zacharias took this prayer before the Lord, 
And did Zacharias know? And I'm sure he didn't. Did he know that he would be ushering in the forerunner to the Messiah? I'm sure he didn't because he wanted a son. Because it was such a dishonor. It pained him and it pained his wife, no doubt, that, that they were barren, that she was barren. And he didn't have a son. He didn't have a child. It, that is very significant in the Hebrew culture. So God answered that prayer, but you know, he says, yeah, I'm going to do this thing for you, Zechariah and Elizabeth. I'm going to do this thing, but my will will be attached to it. Mm-hmm. My son will be attached to it. My purpose will be attached to it. My will will be attached to it. My plan of salvation will be attached to it. So we immerse ourselves in the blessing, not seeing a greater purpose behind it, as you were saying, yeah. woman of God. That child is to be loved. That child is to be adored. But that child is living on purpose. That child is sent by God to fulfill a certain purpose. And it even took a while. And I'm sure it probably took a while. Oh, Lord. How do you think Mary, oh, how do you think Mary felt when she saw her son scourged? being nailed on a tree, dying a sinner's death, bleeding out, coughing up blood with a crown of thorns. Yes, it hurt her. Why? Because she is not only a handmaid of God. She is not only, her womb did not just bear the messenger. Her womb did not just bear the Savior and, and, and God incarnate. But remember now, this was a mother. So, yes, she wept, and I'm sure she struggled. But, Lord, why my, why him? Why? But she surrendered herself. And she says, Lord, like Jesus said at Gethsemane, Lord, this is, this is a tough, tough thing you're asking. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And she said that. Lord. Yes, he did. Have your way. Lord, if this is your will, then so be it. She did not elevate herself to the level of Christ. She did not make herself a God. She acknowledged who she was and surrendered herself to it. So the mother of Jesus knew the will, understood the message that was given to her by the angel, Mm -hmm. and said, Lord, this is hard for me to understand, but let your will be done. She said it right here. And scripture says, for with God nothing, hey, hallelujah. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And in this, the sixth month with her, who is called barren, barren no more, <laughs> for with God nothing. For with for with God nothing shall be impossible. And God and Mary said, and Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So it, I hope we're getting what's being said here. This walk is a walk of surrender. For the women out there, ladies. As the woman of God said, there are nations 
in your stomach. There's deliverance in your stomach. When you have a child, we, we offer up our children. We, we say, Lord, we offer them up in this sense. We dedicate them. We, we say, Lord, let your hand be upon this child. Let your blessings and mercy and grace and power be upon this child so that when this child is of age, they can enter into the understanding, spiritual understanding of who they are and move according to your will and will move according to your great purpose for that they will fulfill the purpose and that they will preach the gospel and wherever my son, my daughter goes, they will move in power and healing and in deliverance. And Lord, I decree and declare in the name of Jesus that wherever they go, no weapon shall come near them. No weapon of Satan shall encompass them. No weapon of Satan shall be their portion. That Lord, wherever they go, your spirit goes with them, that you would impart in them discernment and power and deliverance and that they would heal the sick and cast out demons because this is what the church should be doing in this hour. Woman of God, I'm so sorry. This is not my program. <laughs> no, woman of God, that's, that's God, fine because God bless you. God uh, bless with you sharing, others are learning as well. And it's good to make it broad and extensive. Uh, one of the things that I, I think that you said, profoundly speaking, you mentioned something in reference to um, God is not a genie. And, and I want to just kind of elaborate on that. And um, you said it perfectly. See, a lot of times people want their, people want God's blessings without his will attached. And that's, that's an issue. They want the blessings of God. They want the benefits that comes with the blessing but they don't want the will of God attached to it because with the will of God attached to it comes instructions. They're, they don't have the liberty to do what it is that they want to do. And so I'm going to give you a typical example. I was ministering to someone on yesterday, and I won't disclose names for confidentiality purposes, um, but I just want to use this as an example um, you know, in reference to, you know, what we were talking about people wanting uh, the blessings of God but not his will attached to it. And as I began to minister to this particular individual, uh, this person wants for God to bless them with their papers, uh, meaning they would be able to travel from their country um, to, you know, to the U.S. and be able to have their, their U.S. citizenship. So they're looking to become citizens, and they want God to favor them in this particular area. Um, but the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me by means of revelation. The Holy Spirit said to me, he needs to humble himself first. Mm. And so I conveyed the message and said, the Holy Spirit says, you need to humble yourself first. And not until you humble yourself, you're going to go around circles in the wilderness as the children of Israel. Now, I know it may seem like, oh, why would you pronounce that on me? No, this is what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Because we, see, with the will of God attached, the will of God requires humility. It requires for, for you to do exactly what God tells you to do. And, right. the, and God told me to cheer to the person, 
that person needs to change their attitude. Mm-hmm. And it was so very interesting because the when I had mentioned it to the person, the person said, well, God is taking too long. What is he waiting for? Why he got to put me through all of this? And I said, mm. see, so that mm-hmm. was the evidence <laughs> of why God says, well, this is the reason why I have not answered him yet. And that was the attitude and the approach. God is taking too long. What do you need to put me through all this for? Isn't he God just bless me? That's all he needs to do. And he began to size himself up with God as if, you know, uh, and culturally speaking, um, I think it's from Jamaica, so we would say you're sizing yourself up with God, meaning you're trying to measure yourself up with God. And, and, all God, and he began to say, all God needs to do is just give me what I want. And so I'm just making that connection is that we treat God like a genie. Yes, man of God, you're right. And we don't want the will attached to it. And I'm going to tie this back even to Samson. Samson necessarily did not, wasn't too thrilled about the call because the came, requirements came with it. Although he knew that he was not supposed to deal with individuals outside of his, his tribe, uh, for lack of better words, He's still gone and married Delilah. See, the thing is that with Samson, he didn't mind the strength. See, the strength was fine. Oh, yes, give me strength. Oh, yes, I don't mind breaking the jaw of a lion. I don't mind taking another Philistine. Oh, look how strong I am. But when God tells you, no, you can't have that, or no, I don't want you to do this, now all of a sudden we don't want the will of God attached to with the, with the benefits. So you're right. Even this even happened with Samson. He talked to Delilah, and that's the consequence. And so what God is trying to do, please hear this. The will of God is your protection against consequences. Please write that down. The will of God is your protection against consequences. Because attached to the will of God, the will of God keeps you in protection. When you come out of the will of God, you lose that protection, which then will result in consequences. When you are in the will of God, there's covenant. When you're outside of the will of God, there's consequences. And that's what happens. This is why obedience is so paramount. It's so important. We've got to do everything that God, including myself, I'm not exempt. We have to be careful to do everything that God says to do. Now, I'm going to move on here. And so, like I said, uh, like Samson, your purpose is essential um, because your life comes with instructions. And not only with an instruction, it comes with announcement and a, bl- a blueprint. And so here we see that Noah's wife, she was not to contaminate her body because her child was a spiritual naturalite, as we mentioned before. And what am I saying? What am I saying about that? I'm going to pause here and try and I'm taking it from different angles and perspectives so you can see this on a broader scale. Now, it says that she was not to contaminate her body. Watch this. Which simply means what God was basically saying here, people must be careful how they handle you. See, a lot of times people think that, oh, it's Manoah's wife, Samson's mother. No, even Samson's mother had to be careful how she handled him. 
Wow. Because he was not an ordinary person. Wow. That's probably. God says, yeah, I know this is your room, but that's my assignment that's integrated in your room. Wow. Uh-oh. And you're not allowed to treat it any mm. particular way. My God. Mm. So no, you cannot put strong drinks to your lips. No, you cannot contaminate and handle Samson anyway, because that's my deliverer inside of you. My God, thank you, Lord. And so, because of the magnitude of your mantle, you can't be treated as an ordinary person. And if they've ever attempted to mismanage you, it would be no benefit to them, because you're the one who's going to help to bring their deliverance. Oh, Joseph. <laughs> so, right, just as Joseph, Samson brought his mother deliverance, because she he mm. opened her room by God's supernatural intervention. That's why she couldn't handle it anyway. So that's why it's their job to nurture and help develop the deliverer that's in you. Please catch that. It's their assignment to nurture the deliverer in you. My God. So when they help to deliver you into your destiny, essentially they're delivering themselves. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So this is why. And I'm, I'm going to even take this down to uh, 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 modern vernacular. I'm going to break this down to modern vernacular. Likewise, even you see that today, even with spiritual leadership. Yes, I know that I am, I or whomever else is incubated in your spiritual womb. Yes, we know that it is your assignment to nurture us. But it doesn't mean you can treat us any way. Because we are God's assignment. So when you treat us any particular way, you are mistreating the assignment of God. Please hear that. You are mismanaging and mishandling the assignment of God. So when you're thinking that you're being vindictive against the person or mishandling the person, in actuality, you are mishandling the assignment. Mm. I need you to catch that. Yes. Oh, my God. Even with family, I don't care who it is, whether it be a mother, father, sister, brother, family, a spiritual leader, they got to be careful how they handle you because you are the assignment of God in flesh. Likewise, Jesus was uh, 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 the, he was heaven in flesh, mm. and they didn't realize that they were offending heaven in flesh. <laughs> wow. Wow. So it was of benefit to Samson's mother to obey the instructions of the angel. So because the angel told me to do this, I'm going to do just that. And as a result, she did not contaminate herself because she understood the mandate, which is why it's important that whoever you have nurturing you understand the mandate that's inside of you because if they don't know the mandate that's inside of you, they're going to mishandle you. Mm. I'm I'm going to open up the lines. I'm going to, uh, uh, if anyone wants to just kind of interject before we go further into uh, the topic. It's Woman not, of God. Con- yes, man of God. God bless you. Wow. Um, I have no words for what you just shared. Um, I, all, all I can say is, Lord, if I have ever in my life 
interfered or said anything or hurt anyone, any one of your men or women servants who you are using for deliverance, if I have bad-mouthed them, if I have said anything that was contrary to who you are, forgive me. What your woman servant is saying is is on another level. It, it goes beyond just what we see on paper. It is your heart. It is your spirit. We have a responsibility, whether we know it or not, and sometimes because of familiarity, and that's what Jesus had to deal with, as we see in Scripture. And Jesus even said that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Because of familiarity, because of I know you, because of you're my son and you're my uh, biological son and biological daughter or, or any next of kin, uh, we don't see that because of the familiarity. It, it's sad. It, it, it's it, and not knowing. Oh, you're 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 just little so and so, or oh yeah, it's so simple and and quiet. Not knowing that that person, that little simple person. That, that that little person who may not even have it all together is connected to your deliverance, is connected to you seeing God. I, I wow, there's no way. Honestly, I'm I'm gonna be very frank. There's no way you can see that unless you're born again. There's no way. It is an impossibility. You can say mm, maybe even without the Holy Spirit, you, you you're, you're like perplexed and like you're strange, you're weird, you're peculiar, you're odd. And, well, that peculiarity and weird behavior, that odd behavior, is what makes that individual unique. And if we're not able to see that, and I'll bring the Holy Spirit into it, we can't see that unless God reveals it. And woman of God, correct me if I'm wrong here. We can't see that. We may see them as unique, strange, peculiar, weird, but unless we have the Holy Ghost, unless God reveals it in such a way, there's no way we can see that. So we will always be fighting with that person. We will always be name-calling. We will always be labeling them because we don't have a relationship with God. We think we do, but because of that familiarity, that is the issue. You see, yeah, I know you're, oh yeah, I know this is a church-going person, and you know, I, I, I know they're called by God, but there's a, there's a wall there. And that wall is called, I know you. That wall is called, you're my, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my mother, you're my father. And we can't get past that. Even, not even the scribes and Pharisees could get past it because they even struggled with it themselves. So why should they be any different? Or why should we be any different? And they said, wait a second, this man who's, this, what, the kingdom of God is what is, is he? What are, you, what are you talking about? Wait a minute. Isn't this man the, uh, the the son of Mary and Joseph? So those same words have plagued us even today. We don't recognize right. the anointed of God. We don't recognize the prophets of God because we're familiar with, oh, we know this person. Oh, this is my son. You gave that person life in terms of bringing them into the world. You raised them. And, and so, therefore, uh, we just feel like, oh. 
I liken it even to um, Joseph's brothers. You, you know, they, like, he came to them as a 17-year-old uh, 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 talking about things which were to come, and, and, they, and his brothers are like, huh, what? We're going to be subject. Get out of here. You're talking foolishness. Why? Because they were familiar with him. And they That's grew right. not That's to right. like him because he had a special place in his father's heart. He, his, his, his father made him a coat of many colors. And there was a relationship there. There's something about the anointed of God that draws certain people. And we get and the problem is is when you have a special place in 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 someone's heart and people see the 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 favor that is upon your life, they will get jealous of you. Mm-hmm. And they will want what you have, but they don't understand the cost. Behind Come it. On. So if you really want what I have, if you really want this thing, do you want the pain? Do you want the toil? Do you want the tears? Do you want the bleeding? Do you want the loneliness? Do you want the rejection? Do you want the fear? Do you want the hatred? Do you want the running for your life? Mm-hmm. You want all that? You better seriously think about it. So what I'm saying is don't hate on the anointed of God, but learn more about them. That's if right. You took That's the right. Time to sit down and got to know what is so unique about this person. Why are they anointed? What makes them so special? And then you'd be like, "Whoa, Lord, who am I to even question your order of uh, of business? Who am I to even question how you go about your salvation plan? Who am I that you would choose this lonely little person, uneducated, uh, 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 who 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 doesn't have a platform, who doesn't have a name?" who doesn't have a title, who doesn't even have a church, who am I, who am I to question your order of business? So, so woman of God, you keep on doing this thing, and, and, and I'm praying that uh, uh, those people, including myself, will nurture rather than criticize, will mm-hmm. nurture and respect the things of God, because you think you're disrespecting that person. No, as you said, you said it perfectly. You you have a problem with God's organization, organizational skills. You have a That's problem right. with his order of business. So it really has nothing That's to right. do with the person. Your issue is with the Lord. Your issue is with his plan and his will. That's right. God bless you. Amen, oh God, thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, and, and really it's an insult to say, Oh, God, why did you choose this person or, or you're criticizing it? You're basically saying God is incapable mm. of pouring out his spirit in that person to to do the job. And this is why, again, we have to be careful how we handle one another, how we deal with one another. Amen. And I'm going to just expound again. We are, we are God's assignment wrapped up in flesh. That's what that is. And just like they had a problem with Jesus, they had a problem with Samson, they're going to have a problem with you, both you and I. Whomever is listening on the live broadcasting, individuals will have a problem with it, and we've got to be very careful. And, and the men of God used a really, really interesting word, is a familiarity. And it's truly familiarity breeds content. Familiarity it's dangerous because it will cause you to be blinded or, 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 or degrade 
the value or the anointing that's on a person's life. And, and familiarity will not cause you to see Christ in that person. Familiarity will not cause you to see the assignment, the capability to, to see God's supernatural uh, 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 strength into, in that particular person because you're familiar. So, uh, you know, we get blindsided by the exterior, but really when we get ex- uh, uh, blindsided by the exterior, it's really an indication uh, or a measurement, rather, of our shallowness and inability to discern and see. Because if you have the ability to discern and see, you would not treat that person familiar. That's what the scripture says, and not to go too far up, but the scripture says, had they knew it was Jesus Christ, they wouldn't have crucified him. If they knew who you were, they wouldn't crucify you. If they knew who Samson was, they, they, they probably would not want to retaliate. This is very important, friends. So let me move along here. We have approximately... Uh, about 27 minutes before we conclude the, the teaching for tonight. And um, this may have to be a two-part segment, but I'm going to try to execute this all tonight if, if it's possible. And so uh, just to recap, as a spiritual Nazarite, your life has to be consecrated and sanctified before God because of the magnitude of the warfare that you'll also encounter by the spiritual Philistines that have been assigned to you. So not only she not to contaminate herself with strong drink, the reason why is because, or for our sense to put right on his head, the reason why is because of the level of warfare that you also encounter. And in order for you to encounter a certain level of warfare, you have to be in deep consecration. There has to be deep sanctification, deep consecration for a level of warfare. When I see individuals say, oh, you know, I went through some warfare today, I lost $5, it makes me question the depth of your sanctification and and consecration. Not diminishing your testimony, praise God. But now when you see you're wrestling against principalities and powers and rules, then I know the level and the measure of your sanctification. Because that's how it works. The enemy will use light affliction because guess what? It's not really a threat to us. So you're just we, we don't have to send principalities and powers and, and dark, rules of darkness against you. We, we're just going to send him. That shouldn't handle you. But now when you go to a certain measure of warfare, it, it really tells you where you are in your spiritual walk. Mm. And so watch this. Watch this. Uh, there are some spiritual Philistines that are trying to pursue your life. The Philistines uh, that's assigned to you are considered as rebel rousers and warmongers. When you look at the word Philistines, when you, if you were to Google it or look it up, the, the definition that will show up would be rebel rouser and warmonger. Mm-hmm. Remember, uh, uh, this Philistine is the modern-day Palestinians today. Mm. 
So if you do your research, you'll see that the Philistines are today's modern Palestinians. So just so that's just for FYI. You can look it up. And the definition would be rebel rebels and war mothers. That's why they have not changed. They, they're the same way today as they were in the biblical times. Mm. Different names, oh. same spirit. And that's why I'm trying to say to you, listen, you, when you are dealing with strong men, you've got to target certain things. And if you don't deal with it, those, those same spirits will come right back and to taunt you and taunt you generations and generations to come. Mm. And it says the Philistines or river rousers and warmongers, they are proficient in war. Please hear this. Then I look at this spiritually. They are proficient in war. It is said that the Philistines were known for the innovative use of iron, which is superior to the bronze used by the Israelites for weapons and implements. They had an advanced, aggressive military. Jesus Christ. That's how it operates, spiritually speaking. So while you're here using bronze, as your weapon of war, they're using iron as a weapon of war. Mm. They're proficient in war. So I, it behooves me when people would say, you've got to do all that. Oh, we'll just preach and let's just get this little source of prayer. No, you better be proficient in war because they're advancing in their military use. My God. Yeah. They're advancing. And so... They're also aggressive in military. So when you're using your bronze as drill weapons, they have iron for their weapons. Not only that, but they have chariots. So what is that saying to us? You need to advance on your weaponry. What is your weaponry? Prayer. What is your weaponry? Fasting. What is your weaponry? Reading the word. What is your weaponry? The Holy Spirit, getting deeper. That's your weaponry. But you know what? Brass, you know what brass means? Bronze means when you're using bronze, you're using something that has the ability to, to falter, to crumble. It's not fortified enough. Iron is more fortified than bronze. So what God is saying in this particular passage, spiritually and metaphorically speaking, You've got to become more fortified if you're going to be proficient in warfare. If you're going to have an armor, don't make your armor out of bronze. Make it out of iron. And that's why the scripture also mentions that the, that the children of darkness is wiser than the children of light because they're advancing in their weaponry. Wow. Here true, are, we're still using bronze. That's right. When are you going to graduate from bronze to iron? Come on. So here it is. I'm going to move further on. Let me give some facts about uh, uh, satanic confederacies. Now you may say, well, what does this have to do with uh, Samson? Well, remember, as I said, Samson was there with the Philistines, and uh, the Philistines were known for war. And likewise, metaphorically speaking, that's exactly how uh, uh, Satan's confederacy works. The satanic confederacy works just as if they were spiritual Philistines. 
So here are some facts about satanic confederacies. Number one, they're an organized militia that seeks to annihilate you. That's what you need to understand. They're seeking to annihilate you. They're not here to toy with you. They're not here to attend your conferences, smile your face. And, no, they're here to annihilate you. That's why they are sanctioned against you. Number two, they take secret counsel and conspire to take you under siege. Now, what does this have to do with Samson? Isn't that what they did with Samson? Right? Didn't they organize? That's right. The, the Philistines, didn't they organize on how to kill Samson? That's true. That was point number one. Point number two, they took secret counsel and to conspire. They conspired with Jezebel. Well, how can we plot to take him down? Maybe we should let them know the Philistines are coming. The Philistines are coming. Let's try to find out his secret. So they have secrets. Do you know that the enemy is planning secrets? And ways secret councils conspire against you? My God. Wow. Yes, yes. God has a secret place, but they also have a secret place. That's right. Psalms 91 says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's what the Lord Likewise, it's the same thing in the, in, in, in the demonic realm. They have a secret place where they take secret counsel. So what is your secret? Are you in that secret place to receive your counsel? Hallelujah. Wow. That's why Thank the enemy are, is able to catch you off guard and catch you unaware because you're not in the secret place to get the secret counsel. <laughs> you're not in that place <laughs> to get the instructions. My God, look at this. So that's why they were able to take him under siege because he let his guard up. Down. Number three. They sanction deployment of demonic spirits to not only eradicate a nation, your calling, or your possessions. They did that with, with Samson again. It was a sanction of deployment. Remember, they sent out people against him. It wasn't just one or two persons. They sent out an army against him. And so that's what the enemy does in the spiritual realm. There is a deployment. Do you know what deployment means? They're sanctioning not just one or two people. They're sanctioning an army against you. So every day when you get up in the morning, there was already an organization of deployment against you for that day. Mm. Say that again. What happens is that when you're sleeping at night, they are conspiring. They are joined in the confederacy. They have secret counters and secret meetings of who they're going to sanction and deploy against you when you get up in the morning. Army of deployment against you just to, to, to interrupt your day, to interrupt mm. your destiny. Wow. That's why you're like, oh, I lost money. That angel was deployed. That, uh, excuse me, that satanic, uh, 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 that satanic force was uh, uh, there to take their money. Wow. The next one was deployed. Let's provoke the boss to, to, to get this person's nerve. Now it robbed you of your joy. Let's provoke them to, and, and that's what happened. So throughout the day when you think you just had a bad day, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, really those were satanic deployments. 
And we saw that. The Bible says that Samson fell asleep in the lap of Delilah. While he was in the lap of Delilah, there was a deployment taking place. Wow. Come on now. You are in a state of spiritual slumber and sleep. You are in the lap of the devil. When you're in the lap of the devil in a state of unconsciousness, there is a deployment going on. Number four, they operate by a hierarchical arrangement. Arrangement. Now, this many people may not know. Uh, because of uh, how satanic confederacies work. Now, people may say, well, why am I talking about this so much? Because we're, we're exposing the work of the enemy, the powers of darkness, so that you can live your life more effectively and God-filled, so that we don't fall into the same traps. So it's not that we're giving the enemy glory, because ultimately God gets the glory. There's no one greater. There's no one stronger. Because I can hear someone saying that even now as we speak, the, the devil, the devil, the, the, no, no, no. Listen, we have to expose him. That's right. So that we can get the victory in our mm-hmm. lives. Ultimately, because we have Christ, we're going to get the victory. But you better, you better uh, attack the enemy right, right where he is. You have to attack him. Because unless you deal with this, if you don't address it, it's going to address you. And that, that's, that's, cool. that's, that's the philosophy that a lot of people have. Oh, don't trouble the devil. Even if you don't bother him, you won't bother you. Oh, once you're saved, always say, oh, once you accept Christ, you don't have to do nothing else. It's finished. Uh, you better think again. That's right. You better think again. So do you need to know? Listen, any true soldier or general in the army, if they are mm. going to overtake their enemy to get the victory, to possess the land, That's they right. have to know the strategies of war. Not only do they know the strategy of war, but they study their enemy. Hey, come on. It is not wise, and there's no benefit to you to go into a battle and not study your enemy because you're going to have all sorts of traps set up for you. So you've got to learn them. You've got to know. That's why even in the Bible, see, even God was a man of war. So a lot of people say, you don't want to do all that now. Really, you're, you're saying something that's contradictory to God's nature because he's a man of war. That's right. You see that hey. what he did with Moses and Joshua, send out spies so you can possess the land. This is what I need you to do. This is what he did with Gideon. He did it with Joshua. And all throughout the Bible, he was a man of war, and he still is a man of war. He gave them instructions, right. Right. So uh, just in case for those who may feel that oh, we don't need to do all this, yes, we do. So here let me give you the hierarchy. Number one is Satan as the commander-in-chief. Our commander-in-chief is Christ, right? Uh, so, and then after that, his hierarchy, after Satan, underneath that is what we call thrones. There are thrones underneath that. After the thrones, there are dominions, which we call lordships. So there's commander-in-chief, uh, thrones, then there are dominions. Underneath the dominions, or domains are the principalities. This is where you find the rulership and princes of darkness, uh, of people that are positioned uh, to carry out these assignments. Underneath the principality, there's powers, which means authority. After that, there's rulers of darkness of this world. We're going in rankings here. Underneath the rulers of darkness, there's spiritual wickedness, which is in high places, heavenly places. So now, let me just kind of, uh, before I close up tonight, I have approximately 10 minutes. Uh, 
I don't want to rush this. So I'm going to open up the lines, and I may have to uh, – I'm going to continue on with this topic because I want to break down this hierarchy to you. I do not want to rush through this uh, segment because I want to explain to you how the, the satanic confederacy work and how they work against your life and what must you do to get the victory, what must you do to win this battle, uh, what are the strategies that you need to do. So I'm going to open up the lines for any uh, final questions, statements, or comments, and I'm going to um, just repeat a few things just to recap what we've already discussed, and then we're going to conclude for tonight. So, Colin, you are live. God bless you. Any final questions, statements, comments? Woman of God, thank you so much. I just want to commend you on this tremendous teaching, and uh, I can't wait to hear more about the hierarchy. uh, And this is a a rare teaching, and I'm sorry to say, but there's a lot of us, the church, uh, that do not either want to believe or maybe will acknowledge in part that we're actually in a war. I, I will say that the Bible is a spiritual warfare manual. It is more than just uh, the Old and New Testament. It is more than just and, and uh, stories, if you will, and parables and messages. It is a spiritual warfare manual if you take the time to really examine and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal uh, 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 these, these scriptures. Now, you've taken, you, you've taken the book of Judges, and God has illuminated. He has given us, yes, the, the story uh, of Samson and Delilah and, and the fact that uh, he, had, he was a man of war and, and the Philistines were people of war. And and if we can bring this to the spirit realm, and I also wanted to ask you a question before you go uh, sure. to ex- expound on the meaning of spiritual Nazarite for those who are listening and may not uh, see it in the Bible and may have some questions about it. Uh, what exactly does that mean? But, and, uh, but uh, before you do that, I just wanted to again commend you uh, on your tremendous work. And I just wanted to say that uh, the Bible, again, is a spiritual warfare manual. God is telling his people, yes, and you said it perfectly, woman of God, he is a man. Excuse me, let me rephrase that. God is a spirit. That is what we know. But he is also a warrior. He is he 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 has given us instructions on what we need to do if we are willing to take the time if we are born again that means we need the Holy Spirit to understand what is being said here otherwise it'll be like oh you're just being too deep you way you being you're going way off to the right you're being way overly spiritual you're paying too much attention to the devil uh, well much of what you're talking about. When you study demonology, then you can get a little bit more in-depth and detail. But my brothers and sisters, please do not be ignorant of the devices of Satan. Scripture tells us as men slept, the enemy came and did what? He came and sowed tares. When we, when we are asleep, the enemy is, is awake and, again, is having these, these councils, these meetings, uh, uh, devising. Okay, what we are going to experience in the upcoming day. 
So think about that. If the enemy is asleep, then what should we be doing? We have to be up early in the morning too. And this is why we pray in tongues. This is why we fast. This is why we go to war. And it's very, very important that we heighten our understanding. There's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, this is a spiritual book. It requires me to go higher. I can't merely just scratch at the surface and the manger scene and Mary and Joseph and Jesus and all these things are important to our salvation. But what God is saying and what Jesus said is that we have to go higher in our understanding. And I'm, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> I'm going to stop there because I know it's getting late. I just want to say again, thank you very much. God bless you, and I'll continue to listen. Have a good night. Thank you, man of God. Thank you so much for that. No, that's okay. I really appreciate uh, you being so faithful to Kingdom Empowerment and joining in on the line. I appreciate you, and I thank God for also for your segment. I just want to commend you as well. You also um, are a tremendous uh, teacher, and I bless God for you, and also for all those who have joined in on uh, tonight's live broadcasting and for those who will listen to the uh, playbacks. I uh, bless God for you. Uh, please share this message with a friend so that they too can be blessed. I will be resuming this topic on third Monday of this month, which will be uh, 7 to 9 o'clock p.m., two hours of power pack teaching. I will resume this teaching and just to elaborate even the more on, on about the satanic confederacies. We'll be also talking about the strategies that Delilah used against Samson and, and, and what must we do not to fall into Satan's trap. Uh, so we're going to be elaborating more on that. We're going to be talking about the spirit of Delilah and how she operates. So it's going to get even more interesting as we go along, but I did not want to rush uh, the teaching for tonight. Uh, to answer the man of questions before, Men have got a question before we close out and conclude for tonight. We have approximately five more minutes, but I will try to execute this as expeditiously as possible. Uh, what is a spiritual Nazarite? Uh, as I should in retrospect, uh, we see that Samson uh, was a Nazarite. For those of you who were not able to join in the beginning, I did mention it. Um, uh, we spoke of him being a spiritual Nazarite, meaning that one who has a covenant with God. He... Um, had long hair, he was never to cut his hair. Uh, so that was a typification of the covenant that he's made with God. Not only that, uh, they were not to drink strong drink, neither was Manoah's wife, which was Samson's mother, were not to contaminate her body because he was a Nazarite. Uh, there were certain requirements for those who were a Nazarite. They were set-apart people. They were not to uh, just do certain customs or practices that other people were doing. Drinking a uh, uh, strong drink was one of them. Cutting their hair was another. They were not to necessarily go out of their tribe and to mingle with uh, other people such as Delilah. Uh, so there were certain things that they were not to do because they were consecrated, set-apart people. They were sanctified, considered to be sanctified uh, uh, individuals. So as I said before, and I use the key word here, metaphorically speaking, when I say a spiritual Nazarite, likewise, we're to be a spiritual Nazarite, whereby we're to also keep ourselves consecrated, we're to keep ourselves spiritual, sanctified. We're not to, uh, we may not have long hair. It's not about the hair now, but we're not to break our covenant or breach the covenant. Okay, so that's why I say metaphorically speaking, we're not supposed to breach the covenant as 
the Nazarite were not to do during those times, uh, were not to defile our bodies in any way. So um, metaphorically speaking, as spiritual Nazarite, those are very few, not an extensive list of things, but uh, those are few of the primary things uh, as to what I was referring to, metaphorically speaking, as to why we're considered spiritual Nazarites uh, because of the, 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 we're supposed to be set apart, the sanctification, the consecration, the covenant that we have with God. We are engrafted. Amen. Uh, mm-hmm. just as if we were a spiritual Nazarite. So I hope I was able to answer that question, uh, maybe not extensively, but enough for you to understand what I was referring to. Amen. And so tonight um, I pray that this message has blessed each and every one of the listeners here on empowerment. Listen, I want you to go ahead and, if you haven't already, get connected to my like page on social media, which is the Hemo McLean Ministries. Get connected to that. You will get the notifications on when I'll be on the radio program, uh, which is every first and third Mondays of every month from 7 to 9. You also receive some blog talks, writing, some videos, as well, you will receive some of that teachings. You are also at liberty to inbox me if you have any special prayer requests um, that you may have or any general question that you would like to ask me, uh, maybe in reference to the teaching tonight, or it may be perhaps something that you're experiencing and you need uh, counsel, you need prayer. I am here to assist you with that. So I will extend myself based on however the Holy Spirit leads me to. I will extend myself uh, to be of an assistance to you the best way I can. Uh, so get connected to that. But please, I want you to invite someone on uh, the next time that we'll be on, which is the third Monday of this month, and to join in at 646-668-2413. Again, at 646 668 Two four one three, so that they too can get blessed. If you are not saved and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we pray for you tonight. We pray that uh, that you will come into the saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. The Bible says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It is God's will that you will not perish, but if you seek Him with your whole heart, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus. Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And for those of you who are backslidden, those of you who may be struggling, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is still a Savior. Uh, the cross still speaks. His blood still speaks. And he's still, that propitiation of our sin, he's still making intercession for us as our great mediator. Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the solution. Without him, we are nothing. Without him, there will be no church, no kingdom, no heaven. He is the reason why we serve him. Amen. And if you look to him, I guarantee you, your life will never be the same. You shall experience miracles, signs, and wonders in your life and supernatural breakthrough. Amen. But only if you would seek him with your whole heart. Listen, Jesus Christ is the reason and has always been the reason. Glory be to God. 
Please serve him. Get to know him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. I pray that you all will be blessed. I pronounce blessings over you, over your family, over everything that you possess. In Jesus' mighty name, my friends, live in the expectancy of God. Get connected to my life page. And most importantly, get connected to God. I love you. God bless you. And have a spiritual night and a great weekend until we meet again. In Jesus' name, good night. God bless. God bless.